Hello and welcome. This is your host, Jonathan Morgan, and you're listening to Design Everywhere, the podcast that invites you to ask what if and challenges you to understand the why that drives design. So today is the second part of a conversation I had with Derek Hess. And Derek is a prolific, internationally recognized artist who's made a name for himself from everything from fine arts to concert posters, album covers, apparel design, tattooing, music festivals, and myriad others. So what we're going to focus on today is his process. So everything from inspiration all the way through to his final artwork. Um, So let's get to it. Here's our conversation. This is the second part of our conversation with Derek Hess. If you guys haven't had a chance to check out Derek's work, take a look at it. There's so much skill in it. And when we talked in our last episode about the poster artist revival and um, or the, this renaissance around poster art and concert poster art and things like that, there was no one doing it with the type of skill that Derek has. And I mean, just looking at, at the detail and you know some of the stuff that just started out as like kind of making flyers, how that led to the 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 type of work that that he really started really unique work over the years. And Derek, you touched on it a little bit in our last conversation, but um you were talking about doing like the early concert posters where you were like more literally looking at like bands' names and kind of coming up with these ideas around that. Right, right. Can you talk about that, that a little bit? Because I, I, I think of like Cop Shoe Cop. I think of uh, Jesus Lizard. Like there's a lot of bands that were just like, you took it in like 15 different directions uh, for any one of those. Right. Well, some of those names, it's no brainer, you know, Cop Shoe Cop, you know. And I had them, I booked them a lot at the UK. Actually, I had them come in and do one-offs from New York. So they weren't on tour. Like uh, the, the UK gave me X amount of Saturdays to book. So I would, you know, contact their agent and, Cops, two cops, like, sure, you know, they, they always had a good time at the U, blah, blah, blah. So I would draw, you know, variations of cops shooting cops. And then one flyer, I did uh, a hand holding a little packet, a little, little fold-up piece of paper, a hand in the middle with a syringe, and then a hand holding a little fold-up piece of paper. Because that's what the cops, two cops name actually came from. It's copying heroin, shooting heroin, and copying heroin again. So that's what their name was really about. So I made one of those. As a flyer, I didn't do a concert poster of that. Jesus Lizard, again, that, that one's a fun one to pursue. When I would do them as a concert poster, I mean, I had the Jesus Lizard play the uke a lot as well. I would have them come in, do one-offs. The uke gave me the weekend at the Rock Hall opened up. They wanted a band in there for three days. And I booked Jesus Lizard to come into town and, and play three days in a row at the uke. Disengage, were you on one of those? Yeah, we were. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one was a Tyrannosaurus Rex with Jesus kind of riding on top of him like a surfboard. Multicolors, I was doing a, you know all these layers with the screen printing. God, I would do, sometimes I would do 13, 14 colors. And I know the Arc Welder one is like 13, 14, 15 colors. And some of them I would only do three colors. You know, it just depended on what the image was and what, you know, what, you know, how far I wanted to push it or, and or if it was even necessary. So, you know, that, that's kind of, you know, some of the, the thinking process behind these concert posters. And as far as, uh, I mean, you're still pencil, pen on paper. Yeah, pen and ink, pen on paper. Never wanted to get into the, the digital illustration, anything like that? No, never did. I was old school, hands-on, you know, tracing paper, light table, acetates, ruby lift, opaquing markers. 
yeah, I never figured out how to work the computer stuff. And uh, it's kind of bad because the computer stuff came along. And then the old school way of printmaking, you know, the art of printmaking suffered because a lot of those materials were not manufactured anymore because the computer took over the separations. Like opaquing markers, you know, I cannot find one to save my life. I mean, you can find markers that say opaque, but opaquing markers is something different. It's like a, it's a red that you can see through, but when a camera light shines on it, it blocks it out as black. You know, you don't do that with computers. The thing about the rivulet as well, I mean, the, the opaquing marker as well, is if you can visualize this, say uh, I had a block of yellow, right? And then I put a block of blue on top of it, which would turn green. But with the block on top of it, the blue block, I could take an X-Acto blade and scratch, lift some of that opaquing marker off. So then yellow would come through. So it would be green and yellow. There'd be scratches of yellow because there wouldn't be part of that blue blocking it. And you cannot do that with a computer. And you cannot do that now because the materials are are not being made, which is a, a real drag. You know, a lot of you know, uh, technology is good and technology is bad. Technology tends to destroy certain forms of artwork. And, you know, printmaking is itself doing, you know, you can make prints, right? But printmaking is an, a form of art. And you can still do that with litho, you know. And, and, you know, if you work on the old school litho stones and, and stuff like that, which is a much more of a fine art kind of way of printmaking. It's not, it's not good for making concert posters. But yeah, that, that's kind of what happened with the concert posters and uh, being hands-on and not being able to be hands-on anymore. With your education background in printmaking, are you actually thinking of the printmaking process? And, you know, when you say, uh, you know, one, one poster might be 13 screens uh, or 13 layers. And are you thinking about that while you're creating the piece? Absolutely. Yeah, that's part of the art, you know, being a form of art itself. You know, you got to know your materials and, and know the, the limitations of what you, you're working with and the possibilities of what you're working with. And so, yeah, the printmaking itself is a, it's an art, art form. That's what I was studying. That's what I was trained to do, you know. And so, yeah, I always thought about, you know, like I mentioned in the last episode, you know, about uh, having to tell the printer how opaque you want this or how translucent you want it, transparent you want it, because you want to, you know, get that third or fourth color from layers um, instead of just being opaque and blocking color off. Things of that nature, you always had, you always had to, or I always had to take into uh, consideration when creating a concert poster. Okay, so you're, are you still pretty hands-on when it comes to like production of your pieces? Do you have to be as hand, hands-on now as, as you were in the past? Not really. Um, like, again, we're not doing silk screens anymore, mm-hmm. which is a drag. I mean, people are doing them, but they're using computers and stuff to make the separations. And uh, it just, it's just not the same. So really what we're doing right now is we're just making offset prints of original pieces which my original pieces are are pen ink and acrylic tend to be in in some kind of you know there's mixed media involved with cutting out clippings from comic books or whatever and uh i would present these originals and have our shows with the originals but uh you know they would sell hopefully and the stronger images there there still would be a demand for so we would make limit we make limited edition offset print runs of these pieces and you know we we got a printer that we're probably still in debt for but uh <laughs> we 
wanted to make sure that we're doing it right, like everything else we do. You know, it's, you're going to do it. You know, you need to do it right. So we, we got the quality printer that prints out archival, nice archival paper and uh, ar- archival inks. So that's what we're doing. You know, one of the things I heard you say before, and I, I, I agree with this 100%, and this is that we've been talking a lot about your, you know, kind of poster art and how it relates to music and things like that and this kind of those two worlds colliding, but you've been creating fine art since day one. The subject matter and the what you're putting on paper as your art, it's been fine art in the way that you're printing. It's been fine art in the, the way you're presenting it. And that's why I think this transition, and, and I, don't, I don't know if I would call it a transition, but um, you're doing a lot more um, less band-related work now and more purely fine art prints and things like that now. Right. Was that like a conscious transition? Is that something you wanted to do or is that just kind of naturally happen, you know, moving more towards the gallery art as opposed to like more concert related? Well, it, it was both. It just came a time and I was just tired and burned out of doing concert posters. And, uh, you know, the technology was changing, but I, you know, I, I was also, I, I was done. So I uh, just started doing the imagery without bands and started, you know, pulling on my issues that, you know, to keep it honest and applying them to, you know, these pieces and, and the subject matter. Obviously, a lot with the bipolar issues, bad relationships are always a great inspiration. And of course, mu- being influenced by music, but not doing music related imagery. Yeah. So, you know, and things run, run their course with me, you know, and uh, in the fine art world. Oh, and again, uh, doing the concert posters, I was doing art gallery shows with the concert posters, but since I went around, like in the last episode, I talked about doing the flyers and getting exposure just at street level so people recognize the artwork without having to use a gallery. Um, with the concert posters and the flyers, I drew attention to my artwork. So I was able to get gallery shows then at that point when I, I stopped doing concert posters. So it was kind of that, that segue or that transition. It, it, it was getting you into the galleries. Right. And allowed you to kind of expand on, on what you were doing. Yes, exactly. And things run their course, right? Like concert posters ran their course with me and I was burned out. I was done. I couldn't produce any good stuff anymore, you know, as far as I was concerned. And so like doing the fine art stuff, I would go through series of fine art things until they run their course as well. Like drawing was one of my majors, as I mentioned in the last episode, and uh, drawing the figure was my thing. And so doing figure studies by themselves are nice academic drawings, but they're not really saying anything. Artwork needs to say something. So that being said, I started taking these figure drawings and drawing them with grease pencils on top of Playboy covers from the 60s and 70s. And uh, I mean, they really weren't saying anything either. I mean, they're just cool, you know, with the, the canvas being the Playboy cover and the colors that were on that to work through the drawing material. So, you know, you get all these other colors besides what you're laying down to, you know, make something really rich and, you know, saturated. So I did hundreds of those. Yeah, I did gallery shows with them. And funny thing is uh, I did a gallery show in Germany with them. I don't know, 100, probably a little bit more and sold out opening night. And then I did a show here in Cleveland with them and I only sold five. So <laughs> that'd give you an idea of the cultures. Yeah. But anyhow, I, I, that ran its course with me. And uh, then at one point, I started working on eight-track tapes, which was a lot of fun. You know, I did hundreds and hundreds of those. And uh, it was cool because it was a little nostalgic for some people. And some people, it was like, you know, you know, what the hell is this? The people are too young to remember. 
And so that ran its course, and then I moved on to something else. And that's kind of how the fine art thing works for me. You know, I'll do the artwork not in any special medium, like not, not on Playboy covers and not on 8-track tapes. I will just do the stuff that, that I'm inspired to do. But it's always fun to get in on kind of a theme, different medium kind of theme. Again, I want to thank you for taking the time for being with us. And, and I'm hoping that as whatever is going on now runs its course, that you keep finding that next thing because I'm in awe of every transition that you make and the, and the art that you make. I personally really appreciate uh, everything you've done for the music scene, the art scene, and me, myself, personally. So thanks for taking the time to talk with me. Oh, thank you. I, I totally appreciate it. Again, you know, thank you for the interest, you know. It's flattering. Thank you, Derek, and thank you for listening to Design Everywhere. Please take a minute to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app. We have a lot more episodes in the works, and there might be some in the archives that you haven't heard just yet. And if you can give us a rating or a review, we would love to hear what you think. You can follow the show on Twitter. Just search for Design Everywhere Podcast. That's at design underscore every. You can also follow me, Jonathan Morgan, at Promorock. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Longbreak, and audio engineer, Sean Rule Hoffman. I'm your host, Jonathan Morgan, and this is Design Everywhere. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah, right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripotis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.